Hi, and welcome to Com Church Talks. This is our sermon of the day. We pray it will be a real blessing to you. I know you'll be encouraged, challenged, and uplifted by the talk you're about to hear. That's great, isn't it? Can't wait to hear myself preach now. Instructions are nice. It's so good to be with you in Com Church and on this. Say it again. Nice to have me. Thanks, but I don't know my mum was here. <laughs> she usually once says that. That's great. That's great to be here and sort this out. Isn't God good? I am so pleased about that. And so I'm going to read to you from the Bible. If, if you're under 30, can I just say to you, the Bible's now available in printed form. <laughs> you might want to get yourself one of these. It's the latest thing. <laughs> Usually you see people now, they've got their phone out like that, and you think, are they reading the Bible? Do you know, I never knew till recently there's a book in the Bible called Angry Birds. <laughs> a lot of people read that one in church anyway. So it's good. If you have got a Bible, I'd like to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 16, and then we're going to jump to 2 Samuel something. So 1, 1 Samuel 16. That's one. I have to say, Bible print has got smaller as the years have gone on. Have you noticed that? But here we go. This is what, this is what it says. This is the New King James Version. Now, the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I've rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I'm sending you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite. Jesse's a man's name, by the way. It's not a woman's name. Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king amongst his sons. Samuel said, how can I go if Saul hears it? He'll kill me. But the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Isn't God clever? That's why my favorite name for God is Jehovah Sneaky. <laughs> then invite... Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you should do, you shall do, and, and you shall anoint for me the one that I named to you. So, so Samuel did what the Lord said and went to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, Do you come peaceably? And he said, yeah, Peaceably, I, I, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. So it was when they came that he looked at Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature because I've refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance. But the Lord looks at the heart. So Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Thus Jesse made uh, Shammah pass by. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord's not chosen these. And Samuel said to Jesse, are all the young men here? 
And he said, well, there remains yet the youngest, and there is keep the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. So he sent and brought him in. Now he's ruddy, with bright eyes, and good-looking. Can I just say, it's not a sin to be young and good-looking. It's not fair, but it's not, it's not a sin. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. Amen. God bless his word. Now, I want to read from um, 2 Samuel chapter 5. And, and but I want to read from... The, new, the old King James Version, all right? I'm just going to read one verse, 2 Samuel chapter 5 and verse 12. And you see why I went for that translation. It says this, And David perceived that the Lord had established him king over Israel, and that he had exalted his kingdom for his people's Israel's sake. David perceived that the Lord had established him over Israel. And that's... If you, if you listen to this first bit, you can forget the rest, okay? Because this is, this is what it's about. Because so, sometimes in the morning, you, want, you fall asleep. Have you ever fallen asleep in church? That's a worrying lot of number of people who said they have. But uh, what, what you do, if you fall asleep, you just say to the person, I wasn't sleeping. I just felt the Lord might want to give me a dream, and I was making myself available. <laughs> but you can fall asleep after this one. But this scripture says that David perceived the Lord had established him king, that he has been king for seven years in Judah. And he's just been crowned king over all of Israel. And it's almost like, but suddenly David thought, true, I'm king. It's like a revelation came to David of who he was. And that's what I want to talk to you about, is identity is the key to destiny. And how it can be that actually we can do all sorts of things and never really realize who we are. David already defeated Goliath. He had slain Thousands and tens of thousands. He'd been king over Judah for seven years. But see, it took faith for David to defeat Goliath, but it takes identity to become king and on the throne. And so God is saying it's not just what you do. We have to know who we are. When you know who you are, then you become, you're able to do all the things which you're called to do. Because if you don't fully embrace your present destiny, that will block, delay, or even hinder what God has called you to do. You have to know who you are to begin to do that. A life shifts required for us to have an identity shift. Things changes. Remember like Jeremiah, if you read the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah said, um, Lord, I'm, I'm only a child. And I'm, I'm, he's called to be a a prophet to the nations that I'm only a child. God says to him, don't say that. Don't say I'm only a child. I'm not having that because I've called you. I don't think you're a child. And sometimes we've put ourselves in a box. We've, we've decided we're, we're, we're like this. And God says, that's not who you are. If, you're going to, if you are going to reach your destiny, you're going to have to realize who you are. And it's not who you think you are. It's not who you say you are. It's not even who other people think you are. And every new revelation of, of, of yourself brings you into an, an, another level. Here's a, a free sermon for somebody who wants to preach it, because I'm not going to do this one today. But I have this idea that every time you understand in the new, God in a new way, you get a new revelation of God, you see God, something new in God, you need a new revelation of yourself. Because we are created in God's image. So if you've seen something new in God 
then be assured there's something lovely and new for you to discover about his image inside of you. So the more we fall in love with him, the more we get to know him, the more we get to know ourselves. I find that it's, it's quite hard to know yourself. You think you know yourself, but you don't. Am I talking to the right people? Do you know what I mean? You sort of think, I don't know it's like that. And I don't know how people see me. People are always going on um, on these tests to find what's my main gift? What is, what is my character? And think, don't you know? I mean, don't you? Am I kind? Am I, I'm, don't you know? If you're married, ask your wife. She'll tell you. Don't go, save yourself a load of money. If you're, but actually, it's almost like I'm not sure that I do know myself particularly well. I think I do sometimes. In fact, sometimes I, I do know myself and there's those days when I really like myself. You know, those days, do you ever do? <laughs> I just think, yeah, I've done well today. As times I've preached, I thought, I'm going to get that CD. <laughs> that was so good. I, I'm going, I don't care if anybody else buys it. I'm going to buy that. I'm going to get download. And there's other days you think, I am, I'm just going to sneak out the back door so I don't have to say goodbye to anybody. That's just to come back next week. The pastor will be here. It'll be better. And so it's a bit, you don't really know what to say. And there's times when actually I'm really pleased with my reaction over people. And there's other times when I think, I'm really disappointed in myself. I, I didn't think I still felt like that. You meet somebody who maybe you had a problem with years ago. You've forgiven them. I have forgiven them. And then you meet them and you think, oh, I'm going to have to forgive them again because I remembered it all. Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? But I've forgiven them. I don't have to do it again. Yes, I'm thinking you maybe have to. The problem with forgiveness is a bit like ointment from the doctors. You have to apply it more than once before the wound is healed. And sometimes they, so they say, I've forgiven them once. It's not like that. Forgiveness doesn't work like that. It, it becomes an attitude. So that when you see that person, your, your reaction towards them is always forgiveness rather than resentment or a desire to get revenge. But Because the, the problem with forgiveness is you can only forgive people who don't deserve it. See, if somebody deserves to be forgiven, there's nothing to forgive. So that's the problem. You have to keep forgiving people who don't deserve it. But that's because that's, that's who you become. You don't have bitterness towards someone. You become a bitter person. Some things change your character, and you have to be someone. So David was prophesied to be king when he was just a young man. He was just a boy, teenager probably. But he hadn't developed his identity yet. It was easier for David to defeat Goliath than it was to take the throne of Israel. Killing Goliath meant you'd had to be on your game for one day. To become and live as a king takes an owning of destiny and identity. And God is calling us not just to be a people who do the right thing every so often, but he's saying to you, listen, I want you to become the right pe- doing the right thing because of who you are, not because of what you can do. From your identity flows out your action. And we have to be people suddenly realizing that we can be and who we are. Because when you know who you are, it determines your, your actions. Remember Nehemiah? When, um, when he's rebuilding Jerusalem, these other kings came up to give him a load of hassle. And, and, they, and, they, and they invited him down. It was a trap. We know it's a trap. But what Nehemiah said to them was this. Should such a man as I come down... And it wasn't like, it was more or less saying, listen, I don't do what you plan to do. I am called to be a different sort of person. There are some conversations, should such a woman as I, should such a man as I come and be a part? No, I shouldn't. I shouldn't be a part of that conversation. I should not be a part of, of, of that action. I should, because, not because I'm better than anybody else, but because I know who I am. 
I don't need to have a conversation that pulls everybody else down for me to feel up because I have already been lifted up. And some people, they love to criticize people because it makes them feel bigger. Actually, it doesn't. It just makes them small in the eyes of God. But actually, if you, if you, will, if you will praise people and give honor where honor is due, God will raise you up. And then nobody can pull you down. And that's where we want to be. But then David, he goes on a journey. And I think it's an amazing story. I love the story of David. I don't know. Out of all the people spoken about in the Bible, Jesus has spoken more than anyone. But then David is the person that's most spoken about in the Bible next to Jesus. His life story is there for everyone to see, which is good on part. I wonder when he got to heaven, he could say, could you have left? There's a couple of bits of light. He's missed out, really. But it's all there for us to see. Why? Because he's a man after God's own heart. But he was only a man after God's own heart. And, and one of the great things that God uses people who are imperfect. Aren't you pleased about that? Aren't you pleased that God still uses imperfect people? Aren't you pleased that God still uses broken people to bring healing to a broken world? Aren't you pleased that still, but God is he's researching people. He didn't say, who's the most whole person? He says, who's the person whose heart is most for me? Who's the people who love me with all the heart, soul, and mind? Those are the people who he uses. And he looks at that. And when Samuel turns up to Jesse's house, and he asks for his sons, um, Jesse's not even thought to invite David. He's not even there. And when, when somebody turns up to your house and you've got a horn of anointing oil, now the horn of anointing oil isn't like a little bottle which you, the pastor carried in his pocket. It's, it's a horn of oil. It's that size. It's bigger than, you know, one of these one and a half liters of Coke. It's that size. There's about a liter of oil in it. And he's got this big thing of anointing oil. And he's come to anoint. says, bring your sons. Bring your sons. Woo, right. Even I could work out something important is about to happen. So you've probably told your sons, brush your hair before you come. Look after yourself. And goodness sake, change your vest. But anyway, something about you just want them to be right and to be ready. And you'll be, and be getting there. I'd be assuming that. But David's not. David's away worshipping in the fields. And, 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 and he, he's... Actually, not out of sight, out of mind. He's just out of mind. Just, they've not thought about him. They've, they've, not, they've not forgotten him. They've intentionally not included him. He's intentionally not there. But God looks on the heart, not on the outside. And God said, no, that's, well, we'll have to get him over there. But here, here's an important point, that's, by, the, by the way. is that God looks on the heart, but man looks on the outside. You've got to hear, man looks on the outside. They're both true. And sometimes as Christians, we forget that man looks on the outside. And we like, like, when I moved into my house, uh, when we moved to St. Albans 32 years ago, um, the person who lived in the house before was a Christian. And he said, the people next door are very anti, very, very anti. It gives you the evil eye every time you go in and out. I said, really? And so that, that didn't sort of help me get ready to be. But I found them friendly enough. I said, hi, Jack, how fine. And, 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 and we, we arrived in February, so it was like snow and stuff. And, and so, but as soon as spring came, I'm doing the garden up and cutting the grass, getting rid of all the weeds, and everything's looking good. And and and, and <coughs> Jack was, oh, well, it's nice seeing doing the grass. 
And one morning, now I didn't do this, but we had a season of getting up early in the morning to pray. And so I was getting up at half five, six o'clock. If I usually get up in the, that time, I'm going to the bathroom normally. I'm not, not getting up to pray. But we were getting up at that time to pray. And I was getting up to pray and read my Bible. And I looked out and I saw through our window, I saw Jack coming out. And, I, and he turned around and I thought he'd seen me. And I was going, he hadn't seen me. And he'd, in his front lawn, he'd seen a, a weed. And he, he went back in his house and he got a little trowel, a little thin thing like that, and he dug it out and he put a bit of soil in it, a couple of seeds in it, patted it, and went, put the stuff back and went to work. Oh my goodness. Six months later, Jack was sitting in our church, born again, and filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, what happened? Do you know what he said to me that next week? You've cut your grass more often in the last six weeks than that so-and-so, such-and-such person was there for five years. All the weeds in his garden had come from my garden. He was fanatical. I mean, bowling greens are in worse conditions than his garden. All I did was cut my grass. That's all I did, because man looks on the outside. He didn't know that the reason the other person couldn't do it was because he was busy at work, going to prayer meetings, going to Bible studies, with a house group leader. All he knows was that guy never cuts his grass. He's not five grand off the price of my house, and he's a such and such, such and such. And when I turned up, I cut my grass, and he gets saved. Because <laughs> man looks on the outside, and we have to learn to identify with people on the outside. Jesse parades his sons, all in the right order. Eliab's the, the, the eldest, he's first. And that's in, in the proper order. But he says, not him, not him, not him. I'm sure they're all going up. It must be me. Okay, it's not me. Young brother then. And they all went through. I wonder how they felt when they all saying, what's this about then? It's not you, not you, not you. That's us. We're all done. I wonder who fetched David. I wonder who was, when he said, listen, we're not going to sit down until the youngest one, until he comes. Said, All right, you, you go fetch him in. I wonder what they said to him. Hey, Dave, great news. Samuel's back there. Oh, he must love you. Oh, this is great. We're already thrilled for you. I think brothers are more likely to go say, hey, fella, I don't know what you've done, but you are in major trouble. Samuel, the prophet, who knows everything about everybody. He's turned up at our house. Says he's come in peace, but he doesn't look happy to me. <laughs> Dad's trying to pretend you don't exist, okay? He's just kept quiet about you, but he knows. He knows something. We've just had an ID parade. We've all stood one at a time in front of him. No, it wasn't you. No. You better get there. Can you, can you imagine how David's feeling right now? Can you imagine if I said to you, listen, we've got a prophet and he's turned up the church, and he's not looking very happy, but he wants to see you. He's up in the pastor's office. Do you want to go up there? Give me a minute. <laughs> father, Father, I know the ties are late this week, but we'll pay it back after Christmas, maybe. And I forgive everybody. In fact, I forgive myself. I forgive everybody. You, you, you spend it. Maybe, I don't know what David did on his way back. But he's going, oh, Father, Father, I can't remember anything. What have I done? What have I done? And sometimes you don't even remember what you've done. And when he turns up, Samuel anoints him. Now, here's, before I get there, why wasn't David there? Why was he not there? Why was he overlooked? Some scholars actually even suggest that maybe David 
Jesse was David's daddy, but maybe his wife wasn't his mummy. He might have been an illegitimate child born to one of the servants. Because he actually says in Psalms uh, 51, in sin my mother conceived me. I think, who knows? He might have been, it might have been illegit- illegitimate. He might not have been one, therefore he wouldn't be counted as one who could have an inheritance in the family. I don't know. I'm not trying to read too much into it. But I just think, and, and the youngest could actually mean, he's the last in the line. In, in our families, I don't know if you would realize, if you agree with me, but I sort of think the youngest in the family nowadays gets the best deal. I just think, you know, like, if you're the eldest, look after your little brother. If you're the eldest, look after your little sister. It's almost like, do you agree with me? See, all the oldest brothers and sisters said, yeah, that's definitely true. All the younger ones are going, no, I don't, I don't think that's right at all, really. I'm the youngest in my family by 40 minutes. <laughs> I still felt persecuted. So, but it's almost like, I do think something's easier. When, when I said my, my two daughters, I used to say to my eldest daughter, we're going to practice on you, princess, so we get it right for your little sister. And I think she believed that. But these days, the youngest son, the eldest got the majority of the money when dad died, and they went down a bit. But sometimes the youngest got nothing. And actually, when dad was alive, the youngest did all the rotten jobs. So if you were the youngest son in particular, and the youngest daughter, you'd be saying to your mum, have another baby, please. (laughs) I'm fed up being the youngest. I want somebody else to do the bins. Because, see, Joseph wasn't daddy's favorite. David wasn't daddy's favorite like Joseph. Joseph's family, that, 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 that's a dysfunctional family of other words, Joseph's family, because his, his dad made him favorite above everybody. David's family is a normal family. It's just the way it should have been. So here he comes. We don't know why David's been left out, but we know he's not counted as, as daddy's favorite, because otherwise daddy would have brought him in first. But his daddy's forgotten about him. And when he walks in, all the seven sons, all in the best Saturday outfits, because they're Jewish, don't forget, they don't dress up Sundays. So they're all dressed up, they're all standing aside, and David walks in, and Samuel takes the anointing oil, one and a half liters of scented oil, and just poured it over David's head. Now you'd notice that, wouldn't you? Now if you were coming into church, and... and, and uh, and, and Pastor Rob just came out, and Pastor Julian came and just got a, a, a litre full of oil and poured it over your head. You would really notice that. And a couple of things would go through your mind. Number one, there better be a very good explanation for this. <laughs> Number two, sketchlies in the morning. This is going to have to be, everything's going to be half dry cleaned. Actually, I'm not sure he even knew what happened to it, but it changed him forever. Because that anointing came over him because he was called. How do you think David felt? Have you, have, you ever, have you ever felt overlooked like David? Have you ever felt that maybe in your family, if they had a little vote amongst your brothers and sisters, the person least likely to, to, to succeed, that would be the only competition you ever won? It's like if I was to say to you, now this isn't a word of prophecy for anyone, please don't take it to yourself. On my way here, sitting in the car, and God said to me, I'm going to bless everybody in this church except two people. And you're sitting there thinking, I wonder who the other one is. <laughs> never works for me. Because it's never, in your family, but maybe 
Maybe your own father was the same as Jesse, just discounted you. Well, you'll never amount to anything. You better hope your brothers bring the money in because it won't be you. But God said, you won't sit down until David comes. And God said to you, don't matter what anybody else has ever said about you in the past, it's not what you've done. It's not what you can do. It's who you are. I'm not, nobody's sitting down until you come. And that, nobody can change that. It's not what your dad says. It's what your father says. That's the most defining thing there'll ever be for you, ever. It wasn't the magnificent seven of the brothers. It was the little boy out singing to the sheep. I wonder how Eliab felt. I wonder how his big brother felt. Because he looked like a king. In fact, Samuel said, wow. He must have looked a bit like Saul. He was probably big and good looking. He said, this is the man. And he probably thought, this is me. I wonder how he felt when David was chosen. I wonder how you feel. I wonder how I feel when God blesses somebody else more than he blesses me. I wonder if you ever say, hey, I'm really pleased for you. You have to go and cough and be sick. I'm blessed for you. You ever watch like the X Factor and those sort of things when somebody loses, they all go and congratulate the person. Oh, congratulations. Hate you. <laughs> so I've been knocked out. I don't care. They do care. And David has that quest for significance. And, and let me sort of move on quickly because I'm, I'm enjoying this more than you. <laughs> the very next chapter, after David's anointed, after he discovers who he is, he stops being a shepherd boy and starts being someone who's on the path to kingship. And whenever you have an encounter with God, everything changes. Everything's different. Everything's the same, but everything's different. I don't know why that is. It's like, it's like nothing feels the same again. Nothing's changed, but what's changed is you've changed. You've changed inside. You've grown a bit. You've grown up to be someone that God is about to use and do something else and, and amazing with. And in the very next chapter, Israel's at war again with the Philistines. They always seem to be at war with the Philistines. And three of David's brothers have gone off to war, and, and his dad sends them with an errand to take food to the captain that looks after them and to the boys. And I guess when he gets there, he, he, he sends them and, and the first thing is that there's no sound of war. You think, I know what it is, I hear them fighting, but they're not. And I don't know, I can't prove this, but uh, my, my, when I was growing up, we were always pretending to be shooting each other and killing each other. And you're not allowed to do that now. You have to do other games, I don't know. But um, we liked it. And I think in those days, that's probably what they'd be doing. They'd thinking, I might see a bit of action, you know. I might see somebody's. I mean, shot or not, maybe not shot, there are no guns. With some of these have an arrow in them or, oh, great. But he gets that there's nothing happening. It's, it's coming a quiet day. Because often, you know, when you come to church, it's a, it's a place where we should be doing warfare, but often there's not much going on, really. It's like everyone's thinking about it, everyone's talking about it, singing about it, and getting ready for it, but nobody's doing it. And he sees this big enemy like Goliath. Now, I don't know. I know that Saul was head and shoulders above the rest. David isn't. I don't know how high. I'm six foot three and a half because my twin brother's six foot three. The half is extremely important to me. <laughs> when you're grown up, it stays there, trust me. So I don't think David is very tall. I think it might have been anything between five foot six and five foot nine. I don't think he's a six footer. But Goliath, you just read your Bible. I don't know how tall Goliath was. Seven foot, eight foot, whatever it was, he was big. 
when you're just a boy, that's big. And the Bible says he had, he had a, a bronze helmet on, a coat of chainmail, a bronze armor on his legs, a bronze javelin, a spear, like a, a, a weaver's people. He was just big. And one of the, the enemy's biggest tactics and, and favorite tactics is just to intimidate the church. Just to be so big, you think, oh, I'm, I'm gonna, we'll avoid him. The problem is with the devil is he, he never signs peace treaties. So if you leave him alone, he doesn't leave you alone. He's, he's, he only comes to seek to kill and destroy. So if you think you can leave him alone, you just let him come in and, and kill and destroy you. I, I would rather be chasing him because then I know where he is. I'm not, I'm not locking up the door and hoping he doesn't find me. I want to find him and throw him out. We've got to possess the land. I think attack is the best form of defense. But David's not too spiritual that he, he can't do the mundane. Some people, they've got a call of God on them. They can't do anything to help. They can't put the chairs out. They can't tidy up. Can't do, think, can you imagine when David's dad says to him, oh, David, I want you to take this food to your brothers. He goes, oh, Daddy, Daddy, have we forgotten something? Have you not read the last chapter? <laughs> Samuel, prophet, big man, top man, come to our house to anoint one of your boys king. Did he anoint Eliab? No. Did he anoint Sham? No. Who did he anoint? Mwah. I am the new king. So, Daddy, I don't think I do errands anymore. Okay, Daddy, I'll go. All of us need someone that keeps our feet on the ground. All of us need someone that says, oh, my, you're great. You're never too spiritual to take out the trash. Never. David does the mundane jobs. Why? I don't know who I got this quote from, but it's like this. You should serve like a king and rule like a servant. You should serve like a king, like someone who's got authority and the ability to do something well, but you should rule like someone there who's set to serve the people, not to dominate over them. I wonder how Eliab felt when he turned up. There'll always be people a little bit jealous of you as you discover your destiny and your purpose. In fact, his brother says, you know, when he starts talking about who's going to fight Goliath, Eliab says, who's looking after those few sheep? It's funny that just a couple of months before, it took all eight of them to do it. Now David's doing it. And it's a few sheep. People will rubbish what you're doing because they're jealous. And that's just sad. So whatever God calls you to do, not everyone will be happy about it. Also, when you become who God calls you to be, you can still get annoyed in the righteous sort of way. Could you hear David? He's a nice boy. I mean, he's a, he's a musician. He writes poetry. And I'll tell you what, I wouldn't have hung out with him. But he became a man. And he hears Goliath standing there going, come and fight me, you cowards. And he goes... Who's that big uncircumcised Philistine up there? He goes, shh, I can hear you. I don't. And they grab him in the tent. Stop it. So who does he think he is? Who does he think he is? Who does he think he is? And I said, who? Uh, yes, he says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? The, the difference was they all thought he was defying the armies. David thought he was defying God. It's almost like you said to God, 
I'll be back. It wasn't Arnold Schwarzenegger that said that first. It was David. He said, you boy, I'll be back. Just you wait. I'll be back. Got to see the king. I'll be back for you. Because something had changed this little shepherd boy into someone who says, something's got to be done here. God has changed me into someone who cannot take injustice. God has changed me so I'm a leader, whether I like it or not. Out of all the people in Israel, all the soldiers, how on earth does a shepherd boy end up fighting Goliath? Were they all cowards? I don't believe so. I believe there'd be some who, if the king had said, go fight them, they'd have said, I'll do it and I'll die. It's fine. But they knew if they died, the whole of Israel went into slavery. So they couldn't do it. Because they were putting their trust in themselves. But there was one who had an identity. I am the one who's been sent by the king of kings and the lord of lords. I'm the one. I'm not just a little boy who's got a sling who's killed. I'm a, I am the man that God sent. Going to be, I'm going to be king of this nation one day. So therefore we cannot lose. Because if we lose, they won't need a king. So you'll have to go. And when you know who you are, you'll take on Goliath. In fact, I'm going to suggest to you, sometimes God will allow a Goliath into your life in order that the David inside you will stand up. Sometimes God will allow a Goliath into your life so that the David in you will stand up and you become who you are called to be. I also noticed that the anointing carries a reward where David didn't do it for the money, but at least three times he asks people, so, um, you know, not... I'm not doing it for money or anything, but I'm just wondering, what will happen to the person who kills Goliath? Out of interest. And somebody says to him, well, the king will make him very rich. That sounds a good start. Number two, he he will get to marry the king's daughter, Michael, whom I assume is fairly good looking, otherwise it's not a great prize. I'm not sure if she's... So you'll you'll, you'll be rich and you'll be married into the the, the royal family. And number three, all of his family will be exempt from paying tax for the rest of his life. (laughs) I'd love that one to happen. If only Sunday my family could do that. Can you imagine going Christmas shopping, all this stuff? You go to the checkout and say, "Eh, you have to knock the VAT off. We, We don't pay VAT. Me and my family. I didn't know we had so many in my family. For, you know, all my cousins have turned up from everywhere, all over the world. But we don't pay tax. Wouldn't that be great? But if you didn't just ask one person, you ask a couple of people, just to make sure. And I've got to tell you, I'm not sure where it came from, that if you do God's will, all you're going to have is disaster after disaster. The, the devil has right to come attack your children and attack your finances. And, and I'm not saying we're all going to be multimillionaires, but what I am saying is, is that God says... If, I will bless those who, who, who walk in my ways. When you walk with him, the safest place to be in life is next to the king. If you walk next to the king, the enemy cannot get towards you. And this idea, it's not in the Bible that if you serve God, then he'll take everything from you. But he, didn't, he gives you everything you've got. But also, when David went to see Saul, he said, I'll, I'll fight him for you. I said, well, what, why? What, what are your qualifications? He said, listen, I thought I was a shepherd. I was. I'm not now. I am your replacement, but we'll talk about that later. 
and, and a lion would come and take away the sheep. And a sheep would come, a bear would come, a bear would come and steal one. I went after them, caught the lion by its beard and killed it. Chased, chased the, the bear and took the sheep back and killed it. It's quite a story. Don't look at anybody in case it's them. But do you know people who, when they tell you stories, you go, mm-hmm. yeah, right, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like whatever story you've got, they've done it twice. You, you said, you know, I, 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 just, I, just, I just did this, and there's a man, I, I, he was drowning, and I, I saved him pulling out of the water. Oh, I saved 10 people one afternoon. And I can't even swim, but I did it, you know, I just got, I just did that. And so, and everything you've done, they've done, you think, I don't know why you think, sure, I'm not sure. I wonder if, I wonder if Saul thought, I wonder if David's telling the truth. Because anyone could say, well, I've killed a lion. I've killed, nobody witnessed it. Just David. He's the only one that saw it. But today, if he is pretending, he's going to die. <laughs> because people might believe the story, but Goliath is not impressed. Goliath is going to kill him. But David had confidence today because in private, he had a series of private victories. But nobody was watching that when no one is watching you, that's who you really are. What a man is in private will determine who, what your success will be in the battle. You have to become who you are. And here's my last thing about becoming who we are. It's this. You should always wear your own clothes. What do I mean by that? David goes to Saul, okay, I'll do it. It's fine. And Saul said, right, you, might, you have to put on this armor. Okay. And actually, if you read about Saul's armor, this is the same list as um, Goliath has. Remember we said that Saul was head and shoulders above everyone in Israel. And I don't think David was very big. So all I know is, is there's plenty of wriggle room in Saul's armor for David. When he put it on, thought, it's like me. I never think people steal my clothes because I <laughs> Not my size. I mean, people don't steal. I, I go into shops and just say, have you got anything that fit me? They go, yes. I say, I'll have it. What color is it? But David, he, he, he can shop in the children's section. And he's wearing Saul's armor, and he's, and he's got it on. And Saul says, how's that for you? He said, just the one problem, your majesty. He says, what's that? He says, I can't move. I want to take it off. Because if the armor's that good, Saul, you wear it and go and fight him. Because it's not the armor, it's the man inside that makes a difference. And some of us are worried, if only, if only I had more money, I could do this. If only I had more gifting, I could do that. If only, if, on, <coughs> if only I had better armor. No. If only I had a better man to put in the armor, we could win the victory. That's what the Lord says. He's concentrating on changing you. A lot of pastors, I say to them, don't worry about getting the... You spend too much time preparing the message and not enough time preparing the messenger. If you prepare the messenger, trust me, the message always comes over better. I mean, you might not think you have much to say, but you prepare your, the messenger and it will all work out all right. As I was saying, when I was um, growing up, I've got this identical twin brother of mine. In fact, I've got twin, uh, identical twin daughters, uh, granddaughters now, three years old. And um, I can't tell the difference. 
And I find that really, that upsets me. I can't tell the difference. And uh, I sometimes say, Zoe, she goes, I'm not Zoe, I'm not, you got me mixed up. I go, oh, no. And, and there's Zoe and Zara. And now if I say to one of them, who are you? <laughs> Zara will go, I'm Zoe. I think, I don't know if you are or not. And she's just at the age when she'll, she'll try and wind. So if, if you ask the one and they say, I'm Zoe, it might not be Zoe. Zoe will say she's Zoe, but Zara will tell you she's, she's Zoe just for the fun of it. So if, if she says I'm Zara, it's always Zara, because Zoe never, I think it was terrible. And people will say, well, you should be able to tell because you're a twin. Do you know, my twin brother and I, I always knew which one I was. <laughs> I never really got confused. But everybody else got confused. When I was in... My parents couldn't tell. We sometimes go through old photographs. And we say, is that Ian? Is that David? I don't, I don't really know. I can't, can't tell which is which. I think my parents saved money with school photographs. I think they only bought one and two copies made. I, I, I don't think we got one each. I don't remember posing for them. I'm, I'm not sure. And stuff. I often think now of advertising photos, I might get a picture of my twin brother because he's thinner than me. I could send that out, but... Um, it's not nice, really. If, you, if you're a few pounds overweight and there's somebody who's a three-dimensional picture of what you look like if you lost three stone walking around, I mean, that's not nice. I said to Ian, I would never do that to you. <laughs> My mom and dad, they couldn't tell the difference. When I was in school, the teachers used to make us sit opposite sides. One teacher made us put on a, a badge every day to say which was which because she couldn't tell the difference. And I had an auntie, my aunt Jessie, that's why I always say Jessie's a man's name, because I had an aunt Jessie, she was definitely a woman. And so my aunt Jessie, she's my father's sister, and, I, I, and she was in our church, I saw her every Sunday at church. We walked past her door going to school, when I was in primary school, nearly every day of my life. And she could not tell the difference. Whenever she saw one of us, she saw us, she wouldn't say, how's your mummy, how's your daddy, she saw, she would say, what boy are you? It should have been which boy, but she would not. What boy are you? I said, I'm David. Sometimes I'd go, I'm Ian. Because I wanted to find out if she gave Ian sweets or something. Because you never knew, really. Maybe she had a favourite. I was just checking. But she, but she, she never knew. But I started courting my wife, who's been married to me now for 36 years. Bless her. Um, when we went to Scotland, she couldn't tell the difference. And I'll tell you this now, don't tell anybody, but my girlfriend, now my wife, nearly kissed the wrong twin. It gets worse. The wrong twin was going to let her do it. <laughs> tell you, all the dirty washing's coming out now. <laughs> And then when our children, Amy, who's now 28, she's the mum of twins. She was four years old, and we're up at my brother's house. We're sitting in these chairs, which was named after my brother, one of these lazy boys. <laughs> and you're sitting back there, my feet up, and Amy came running in the room, and she stopped. Because I was sitting over there, and I was also sitting over there. <laughs> and she stopped for a moment, and she just looked. And she came over to me, and she put her hand on my knee, and she whispered to me, and she said, are you my daddy? 
I said, yes, I am. You come here. Don't go near him. He tried to kiss your mother once. Just you stay here. He's a bad reference on you. But I have never, ever woke up in the morning and thought, well, am I Ian or am I David? Because I know who I am. I know who I am. But I'm still on a journey of discovering who he has made me to be. And you sort of know who you are, but I'm asking you, where are you on the journey? Let me finish by quoting to you again the scripture which David said. We just read, David perceived that the Lord had established him king. Have you perceived that the Lord has established you as a daughter, as a son of the king? Have you realized Identity is a key to destiny. We must perceive who we are. Let's stand up. We're going to pray before we finish. Thank you, Father. Just as we're getting ready to pray, you may be visiting or you may be here regularly, but you've never... This is Church is different for you. This isn't a time where, you know, as a Christian, you've not really done the Christian thing yet. You never had a day when you gave your life to Jesus and thought, so I want to join up. I'd like you to think for a moment and think, maybe I should respond to a God who loved me enough to send his son, Jesus, to die on a cross for me. Maybe I need to find out, I would like to find out what my identity in this universe really is, why I'm here, what the purpose of my life is. I would suggest to you that Jesus came to die for you because he wants you to have a life that's full of purpose. But he came to take away your sin, to die in your place. And just as we, we're going to bow our heads for a moment, if we can, and I'd say, if you're here, I'm not going to make you do anything else, but if you would like to say, I'd like to respond to Jesus and say, you know, I haven't understood maybe a load of what you're saying, but what you've just said now about giving my life to Jesus, I would like to do that. I'd like to find out more. I'd like somebody to talk to me. And if you're here, can you raise a hand and wave it to me so I could see? And, and, and I'd like to pray for you to say, I, I'd like to give, have Jesus in my life. I would like to do that. Wherever you are, let me, I'm looking up in the balcony first just to see if anybody there. Okay, now I'm looking down here. I will not want to miss anybody. I don't think I've missed anybody. But Father, I pray for Calm Church that we would be people who actually have found you and discovered you and discovered who you have made us to be, that David perceived in his heart that you had made him king. Give us a revelation of who we are, that our identity might unlock our destiny, that maybe, maybe we were pushed to the rubbish heap by those who knew us well and said we'd never make anything, accomplish anything. But we choose not to be limited by the words of others, but to be released by the words of our Father to become who you called us to be, that the children of destiny might enter into the fullness of what you've called us to be. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. God bless you. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Com Church Talks. We'd love to hear from you and you're welcome to any of our Sunday services or midweek comms. For more information or to get in touch, visit our website at www.comchurch.org.uk or find us on Facebook. God bless.